0: Bismillah Rahman Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Rabdilla Alaneen Wa Ashadu Allah Ilah Illallahu Wahdahu La Sharikala Wa Ashadu Al Nanabiyana Muhammadun Hatemul Mbiai Walmur Salim. Brothers and sisters, today inshaAllahu ta'ala I talk to you about the functions of the masjids. Establishing masjids fall in the category of obligation not in the category of options. Establishing a masjid is an awesome and challenging duty for a community of believers because there are two phases to establishing a successful masjid. Phase number one is the physical construction and phase number two is the community construction. In respect to phase number one, Prophet Muhammad said in a well-known hadith, مَنْ بَنَى لِلَّهِ مَسْجِدًا بَنَى اللَّهُ لَهُ بَيْتًا فِي <الْجَنَّة> Whoever builds a masjid for Allah, Allah builds for him a house in Jannah. And if Allah builds for you a house in Jannah, you know what that means? That means, Insha'Allah, you are going to go to Jannah to enter your house. Having said that, I would like to take you back in time when the Prophet sallallahu migrated from Mecca to Medina due to the Meccan's persecutions to him and to the believers. Upon arriving to Medina, the first thing the Prophet ﷺ did was to establish his headquarter. His headquarter was nothing but a masjid. He trained his companions in taqwa and ran his state from the masjid. He himself participated in the construction of the masjid with the rest of the believers. They used to chant the following poetry. Allahumma innahu la khayr illa khayrul akhirah. fansuril ansara wal muhajirah. meaning they chant this poetry as they were building the masjid they would carry the mud blocks and carry it to build the walls of the masjid. Every companion used to carry one mud block at a time except one companion and his name was Ammar bin Yasir He used to carry two mud blocks at a time until the masjid was built. As you would know, There was not a lot of red tapes to establishing a mud construction. But today, there are many red tapes and difficulties related to getting a building off the ground. There are codes that must be met, and rule must be followed, and there are permittings. However, when a group of believers come together, they turn... The affair of building a masjid to an expert who knows about the rules, the regulations, the code, the permitting. Alhamdulillah a masjid could be established fairly easy. The second phase of establishing a successful masjid is to build the people who carry out its function. The masjid is a place to build up people, not to beat up people. Many masjids are used, are placed to beat up people with truth, with Islamic truth, with knowledge. This is not how it's supposed to be at all. The masjid is a place to build up people who carry out its functions. The people who utilize the masjid as a place to worship Allah, remember Allah, glorify Allah and pray. A place for education and empowering the believers to grow in faith and taqwa and good deeds. If you want to look at the Prophet's masjid as he was inside of his masjid, what would you see? I would like of you to zoom back in time and look at the activities that used to take place in the Prophet's Masjid, Sallallahu You would see intense reading and studying of the Qur'an, of Allah's words. You would see education. You would see praying. Believers coming to establish the five daily prayers in the Masjid. You would see people might have some problems. They bring their problems to the masjid in order to get solutions. You would see Prophet Muhammad meeting delegations. You would see the Prophet consulting the believers. You might see Ali bin Abi Talib sleeping in the masjid. You might see Ibn Umar sleeping in the masjid. And there was a woman who had a little tent and she used to sleep in the masjid. I would like for you to read her story and I will refer you to Sahih al-Bukhari, hadith number 439. Also, the masjid was a place to host the poor. Those who did not have a place to stay and were poor would sleep in the masjid, they are known as Ahlul sufa, the people of the sufa. the sufa, it could be a deck inside the masjid, a place inside the masjid, and the people who are homeless, who did not have a home to stay, would sleep inside the masjid. On rare occasions, there were some entertainments that were held in the masjid, one time in one of the Eid celebration, the Prophet sallallahu allowed a group of people to present a show in fencing inside the masjid. He was watching and also Aisha radiallahu anha was watching. So all of those are activities that took place in the Prophet's masjid. So we know that the masjid is a place where things are happening. It's a busy place. It's a place that the community is participating in the activities in the masjid. So what are the functions of the masjid? There are several functions for the masjid. Religious function, educational functions mediation functions, defending Islam functions, unification functions, da'wah functions. I would like this evening and this rainy evening to spend some time talking about the functions of the masjid, religious functions. The masjid is a place to worship Allah, hold congregational prayers, daily prayers, also a masjid is a quiet place to glorify and to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Holding the Jumu'ah is one of the functions of the masjid. Holding Jumu'ah falls into the religious functions, the religious functions entail many different religious activities, one of them is holding the Jumu'ah, even though that is very important, but the role of the masjid is not limited to holding a Jumu'ah, and let's face it, many masajid across United States today are being formed only for the purpose to hold the Jumu'ah. While that is important and good We need to remember That holding the Jumu'ah Is one aspect Of the religious function Of the masjid But there are more functions The masjid has An educational function Subhan <laughs> wal A masjid is a place to receive religious education Education for adult men and women and also for children. Education based on Quranic truth and prophetic truth to help us to grow in Iman and Taqwa and inspire true and meaningful worship and application of religious knowledge that helps Muslims to live Allah's way. To be better husbands, wives, and mothers, and fathers to be a better person altogether, to be 100% Allah's slave, to be a full-time slave to Allah, not a part-timer, to be a full-time lover of Allah, not a part-timer. That is the educational function of the masjid. The masjid also plays a unification function the masjid, is responsible to bring people of different backgrounds together. I will give you the example of the Aus and the Khazraj, the two major tribes that lived in Medina. Those two tribes had it against one another for a long time, fighting, killing and hating one another. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened open their hearts to Iman and cause their hearts to be in agreement and harmony. Allahu Azza wa Jal said, Loam ma fil ard a ma allaftabayina puluvihim wala Allah al lefabainahum. If you spend the wealth of the earth to bring their hearts together you would not be able to bring their hearts together. But Allah brought their hearts together. This is in Surah Al-Anfal, Ayah number 62. And Allah Azza wa Jal also said, وَاذْكُرُوا اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ أَعْدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ إِخْوَانًا Remember Allah's bounty unto you. How you were enemies, but Allah brought your hearts together. So you become, due to His bounty, brotherly. So you become, due to His bounty, brotherly. And that is in Surah Al-Amran number 103. So what is the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that brought their hearts together? What bounty Allah Azza wa Jal is talking about? We take the answer from Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah number 231. Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَاذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَمَا أَنْزَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَالْحِكْمَةِ يَعِظُكُمْ بِهِ And remember Allah's bounty upon you and that which He revealed unto you of the scripture and of the wisdom. So we know from this ayah that the bounty of Allah is the revelation. The bounty of Allah is the book of Allah. And the book of Allah is the source of Iman and Islam. So with Islam, Iman, and Quran, the hearts of people who had it against one another could be brought together. Do you think our hearts have a chance to be brought together with Islam, Iman, and the Quran? Well, I hope so. Unity does not mean uniformity and identical carpent-copy understandings. I tell you what unity means. Unity means loving one another as believers and not letting our emotions to cripple our love to one another. That is unity. Unity means loving one another as believers and not letting our emotions cripple our love to one another. Unity means to adhere to Quranic and Prophetic guidelines that keep us together. Without those guidelines, we allow ourselves to go in opposite directions and develop heresies. Allah Azza wa Jal gave us a very, very, very useful tool to address our differences. He said in Surah al Nisa. يا أيها الذين آمنوا أطيعوا الله وأطيعوا الرسول وأولي الأمر منكم فإن تنازعتم في شيء فردوه إلى الله والرسول إن كنتم تؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر ذلك خير وأحسن تأويلة من سورة النساء آية نمبر 59 459 Allahu Azza wa Jal said, O who you believe, obey Allah and obey His Messenger and those who are in authority amongst you. If you disagree on an issue, turn it to Allah and His Messenger if you believe in Allah and the last day. For this is good and brings better outcomes. So when we dispute a matter, we must bring it back To the religious truth. And when we do that. We gain one of two benefits. What are those two benefits? Benefit number one. When you bring the disputed matter. To the religious truth. You might see your own fault. Or misunderstandings. So you leave your position. And migrate to the truth. Because supposedly. All believers. Are after the truth. But if that does not happen, you know what happens? is the second benefit. You develop an understanding of your brother's views. His views may not be convincing enough for you to abandon what you feel is the truth. But you develop an acceptance and a higher level of tolerance of his views. See how that works? When we bring our differences to the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet there is a guarantee for goodness. Many of our disputes will be resolved. And those areas that we do not agree upon, we agree that we excuse one another because each group has sound supporting evidence for his views. We come from different backgrounds, with different understandings and practices of the Deen. Some of them are correct, and some are not, and some relatively correct relative correctness is very important for us to understand relative correctness means a person has sound supporting evidence that backs his understanding and practice so what he does is correct relative to his understanding whereas another person on the same issue may have yet ...other sound supporting evidence that backs his understanding and practice. So what he does is correct relative to his understanding. What we feel is wrong, after talking to the person, we see that he has a point. He has some supporting evidence that qualifies his understandings or actions to be valid... Even if the evidence is not strong enough to make us migrate from our position to his position, but we gain understandings which will be instrumental in strengthening tolerance of one another. And once we have tolerance of one another, we will be able to get along better, to cooperate better. To work together as functional groups. But of course if the practice is backed with ill support and ignorance and arrogance and stubbornness. We still have to accept that believer but reject his heresy and deviation. We tell him the truth in love and in occasions we might say the truth in an admonishment tone. But at any rate. We cannot downsize Islam to one opinion and one way of doing things. We cannot downsize the methodology of following the Messenger, the companion's way, to certain rules. If you do them, you are in, and if you do not, you are out. In respect to the truth, the truth is one in respect to Allah's knowledge. However, in respect to the scholar's statements, the truth can be found in one of them. And each scholar feels his opinion is correct, without discounting the small possibility that it can be wrong. As he feels the opinion of the other scholar is wrong... Without discounting the possibility that it may be right. And with that being our state of mind, we can work together to obey Allah Azza wa Jal. He employed us to worship Him together in unity. And He forbid us from dispute. Allah Azza wa said in Surah Al-Anfal, Allah وَلَا تنازعوا فَتَفْشَلُوا وَتَذْهَبَ رِيحُكُمْ واصبروا إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ In 846, Allah Azza says, Obey Allah and His Messenger. Remain patient, for Allah accompanies the patient. Do not pull against one another. If you do, you fail and lose your winds. Do not pull against one another. The word in Arabic, Naza'a. Naza'a means to pull something out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want us to pull against one another. A tangible example I can think of of pulling against one another is the game tug of war, where there's a rope and a group of people hold the rope on one end. And another group of people hold the rope in another end. And they pull against one another. They pull and they pull and they pull. Each group tries to pull the other. And what happens at the end, both groups will be exhausted, tired, and no one moves forwards. No one moves forwards, because they were pulling against one another. But if we take that rope, we attach it to a car, a big car, and both groups hold the rope from one end and they pull, they will be able to pull the car. They will be able to pull a building. They will be able to pull a school. But we need to hold the rope from one end. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Imran. He says, وَعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا In 3.103, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, You all together hold to Allah's rope. All together. Hold to Allah's rope. Meaning you hold to it all together from one end. The Qur'an is Allah's rope. The Qur'an is the unifying force that keeps us together. When we come together around this book, the companions way, we have a true and genuine unity. And the masjid has to play a unification function. The preaching and the teaching... In the masjid should focus on unifying the believers. Not splitting the believers into groups and sects. Where we have a masjid for the Arab. And a masjid for the Pakistani. And a masjid for the black Americans. And another masjid maybe for the white Americans. That is not functional at all. We are an ummah we come from different backgrounds. You have people who are from Egypt, people who are from Pakistan, people who are from Palestine, people who are from Morocco. Those people are a sample of the Ummah of Prophet Muhammad. We have people from United States. So all of us as a sample of the Ummah of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi And we must demonstrate that we as an Ummah can come together and hold all together to the rope of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Another function of the masjid is the da'wah function. The masjid is a place to launch programs to bring the truth about Allah about Prophet Muhammad and Islam to the masses. If that means only radio stations and TV stations, then that becomes a mandatory duty for the believers. A believer who really understands the benefit of worshipping Allah is anxious to bring others to the truth for them to enjoy the benefits of worshipping Allah. Thus, it's a deficiency in worship to neglect inviting people to be on the path of Allah. He, Allah, wants us to invite all to His path. He said, ud'u ila sabili Rabbika bil-hikmati wal al Call to the path of your Lord with wisdom and good advice. 16:125. Another function. For the masjid is to defend Islam. Defending Islam and Allah and the Prophet. It is the custom of the enemies of Allah and His messengers to attack the messengers. Nuh was attacked, Abraham was attacked, Musa was attacked, Harun was attacked, Isa was attacked. And Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa had his share of attack then and now. They said about him that he was a poet, a madman, a magician. Today we hear other false allegations. They say he had a sexual affair with a child, referring to his marriage to Aisha anha. Responding to this allegation, I say, did Aisha complain to the person who is holding this allegation? I say to him, did Aisha complain to you? Or she was happy and content even after the Prophet sallallahu died. Did she ever complain? Or she was always very pleased and very content that she was the Prophet's wife. Also Aisha عنها, was physically and psychologically mature to be a wife. Also at that time it was the common practice for girls to marry that age. So we cannot judge the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa according to our standards. But we have to look at the situation according to their standards. And up to very recently, we know of marriages that took place and the woman was 10, 12 or 13 years old. Having said that, we would like to talk about marriage. According to the biblical story, Mary was a teenager when the Holy Spirit impregnated her. And God inserted himself into her womb. So, is it permissible for God to impregnate a teenager? According to our standards now, that is a very evil practice. To get a teenager pregnant. So Mary was a teenager, and according to the Biblical story, the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary when she was a teenager. So how do you respond to that, Mr. Launcher of Allegations? So we Muslims need to defend Islam. And it's the duty of masjids to defend Islam. One man in Mecca used to have Two singers to sing poetry against the Prophet of Allah Azza wa Jal. But I tell you, all of the songs and all of the poetries that he made against the Prophet Sallallahu vanished. No one memorized anything of them. But at that time, the Prophet Sallallahu appointed Hassan bin Thabit as his media person. Because Hassan bin Thabit was a poet. And Hassan would compose poetry refuting the allegations of the pagans and promoting the truth about Islam and about the Prophet. That was how they conveyed messages to the people. In our time, Islam is being attacked on many fronts. Muslims more than ever need to be educated and trained to refute the false accusations and Muslims must have the means to refute those allegations. If that means only TV and radio stations and other means of broadcasting, then it becomes a duty. ...afford upon Muslims to own TV stations and radio stations to defend Islam and promote the truth about Islam. And that falls into the function of the masjid. Another function of the masjid is a welfare function. And that is to assist the poor and the needy and those who are in distress by distributing zakat money according to Quranic and Prophetic guidelines. Another function for the masjid is the mediation function. To mediate and solve problems amongst believers related to all aspects of life. A Muslim must not sue another in a court that does not rule according to Islamic rule. If a woman wants to divorce her husband, She cannot take him to court and take half of his wealth because that is injustice according to Islam. But a Muslim can go to court and use the court system to get that which is Islamically right. Who should carry out the masjid's functions? The people. The people of the masjid should carry out the masjid's functions. Some people think, however, all of those functions should be filled by one person. They should be filled by the Imam. It's the Imam's responsibility to hold the classes for adult men and women. And classes for children. Classes on Islam for new converts. Mediate problems between Muslims. Offer counseling sessions. Promote Islam. Defending Islam. Seek the poor and the needy and help them. Maintain the structure of the building, cleaning, painting and mowing the grass. Holding Jumu'ah, maintaining a mailing list, record lessons and khutbah, purchasing needed supplies to name a few. Some people think it's the imam's responsibilities to do all of that. I say no, that is not the imam's responsibility. The Imam responsibility is the community construction because we say there are two phases of establishing a successful masjid Phase number one, the physical construction and the person who is expert in the area of building should be in charge of this project and then when it comes to the community construction You need to put the right person in charge. And that is the religiously educated mature individual who is trained and able and knows Islamic truth that allows him by the help of Allah to do that very important duty, the construction of the community. And the community fills the functions of the masjid. You see how that works? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in reference to the second phase of building the masjid. We said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in respect to the first phase of building a masjid, مَنْ بَنَى لِلَّهِ مَسْجِدًا بَنَى اللَّهُ لَهُ بَيْتًا فِي الْجَنَّةِ Whoever builds a masjid for Allah, Allah builds for him a house in Jannah. Now in respect to the second phase and the second phase is the community construction Allah عز وجل said in surah at-tawbah aya number eighteen, nine eighteen: 9 18 Inna ma ya'muru masajid Allah man amana billahi wal yawmil akhir wa aqama as-salata wa ata az-zakata wa lam yakhsha illa Allah فَعَسَا أُولَٰئِكَ أَن يَكُونُوا مِنَ الْمُهْتَدِينَ Those who tend to Allah's masjid are those who believe in Allah and the last day and establish the salah and pay the zakah and fear nothing but Allah. Those are to be the rightly guided. Focus on the beginning of this ayah. Those who tend to Allah's masjid, meaning those who fulfill the functions of the masjid are those who believe in Allah and the last day and establish the salah and they give the zakat and they fear nothing but Allah. And the imam is responsible to convey the truth To the community that will make the community according to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described in this ayah. So it's the duty of the imam to provide theological truth about Allah that produce quick and accurate application of his rules. The duty of the Imam is to make his community fully aware of the last day and the implications of believing in it. Not simply believing that it shall take place, but the very implications of believing in it. The implications of believing in it is a very strong motivational tool for us to do good work and stay away from evil work. The duty of the imam is to present religious truth that make you by Allah's guidance fear none but him. Fearing Allah only liberates us from all kind of fears. All kind of fears that inhibit our taqwa and iman development. And of course, we are not talking about naturalistic fear that people feel to varying degrees but we're talking about fear that takes place due to deficiencies in iman. So the duty of the imam is to help the community to acquire the religious truth and those who acquire those qualities that are described in this ayah are the people who tend to Allah's masjid. Those are the people who carry out the functions of the masjid. Those are the people who volunteer to do the work. Volunteering is a very, very important aspect of establishing a successful masjid. Volunteering means to give time, give effort to do something, but you're not expecting to get paid for it in a monetary form. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who pays for you. Nevertheless, if a person has to dedicate all of his time to do something for the masjid, then this person must be compensated in order to provide for himself and his family. But nevertheless, there are many things that could be done on a volunteering basis. And no matter of what you think of yourself today... I'm sure that you can help to advance and enhance and fast-forward the operation of the masjid. I'll give you some things you can think of doing. There are landscaping needs to be done, newsletters, sport activities, organizing events, cleaning the masjids, serving food, distributing flyers, Maintaining contact list, preparing food, serving as a youth leader, school project, teaching kids, radio program, prison program, visiting the sick programs. All of those programs need volunteers. So when the volunteers are willing to volunteer, then the masjid comes into strive to fulfill its functions. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... To make us from the people who are rightly guided, was sallallahu alayhi wa baraka alayamina Muhammad.